Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to read some email questions from some younger listeners, Alan. Okay, good. I like it when we have younger listeners. Yeah. And um, I make, here it is. Is it sensible for me to live on my own? Okay. All right. So he's living with mom and dad, probably. Okay. He's probably Robbie Clopine, 42 years of age. <laughs> I make 1800 bucks a month. And I would like to move on on my own. Okay. All right? So there's his list of monthly fees. You can tell he's probably, or she is yeah, 21, maybe. Okay. Let's, my let's, monthly let's fees are $275 for car insurance. Okay. $150 bucks for a gym membership. Got it. Oh, you must work out at Fit downtown with me. Sure. And around $100 for gas in my car. Okay. Because I'm looking to rent, how much should I be willing to pay if I want to live comfortably? Okay, comfortably on 1800 Well, he's probably 21 years old, let's say. <laughs> but I like, here's my expenses. You know, we get this, and people are in their 60s still do this. Hmm, let me think. How much money are you spending? Well, let's see. My, let's see. I 275 bucks for my car insurance. Okay. Yep. 150 bucks for gym. Right. Uh, 100 bucks for gas. Yeah, that's about and it. And that's about it. Yeah. What about uh, what about food? Food. Do you actually eat? Do you put clothes on do your you body? Have clothes? Do you, what do you sit on? Boxes or do you have furniture? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have a dishwasher? Is there utility bills? Do you have a TV? Do you have cable? Direct TV? How about a cell phone? Right. Does the car ever break down? Right. Yeah. On and on and on. And so, so let's say 1800 bucks. So let's just round that to what? What is that? $22,000 a year? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. So twenty-two thousand bucks a year. And, and let's, I would say three. You don't want to spend any more than six five hundred bucks a month. That's yeah. what I would suggest. That he would not want to pay any more than five hundred bucks in rent. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and plus the eighteen hundred dollars. I don't know if that's net pay net or pay or, or yeah. gross because maybe you got taxes on top of that. But let's assume it's net pay. I think. I think. With, what about saving for retirement? There yeah. Too, right. Well. That they're 21, they're not thinking that, yeah. right? So I, I would agree with that. I think um, 30 percent. I think I think I think 30 percent is a good number, which would actually be uh, what would that be? 18, 30, About yeah, about six thousand, about 500 a month. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is, where can you find a place for 500 bucks a month? I suppose. Uh, well, I my, suppose you could. My son is in Boulder. His his rent is 675. All right, so then you but, gotta but move. He's, to... But he's renting a room. No, I mean it's it's in just Bol- as, it's just as expensive as San Diego. Oh, I, it I is. guarantee it in Boulder. But so you you rent you rent a room is what you do. You don't rent uh, your own condo or your own home. You rent a room in a house. That's what you do. That's how you get started. I know you don't want to hear that, but that's how you get started. And the answer, I guess, I don't know if the question was, should I do this or not? The answer is, yes, you should do it. You're making an income. Get out there. Be independent. This is where you're going to start living your life. Right. Right. I don't think Boulder's more expensive than San Diego. I didn't say more. Or it's, it's the it's, same. It's, it's pretty close. Wow. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah, it's a very, very nice area. But it's cold, isn't it? Yeah, in the in the winter, sure. All right. 
Yeah, you're you're thinking Minnesota, and who would want that, right? <laughs> I lived there, been there, done that. All right, uh, let's see. Will I be penalized for a 401k withdrawal, Alan? Okay. Shortly after I hired, um, shortly after I was hired on with my new company, I was bought out. I don't know what that means. I have roughly $2,600 in my previous 401k um, from being, um, from being, God, this person cannot type, from before being brought out. I am currently contributing, bought out. I am currently contributing to my new company's 401k plan. Will I have to pay a penalty or tax on the old 401k if I cash it out? Uh, if you cash it out, so our advice is don't cash it out. Roll, roll it, it into, into your new 401k plan, plan, right? Yes. Or if you don't want to do that, roll it into an IRA, but don't cash it out because then you pay taxes on it plus penalties if you're if you're under fifty nine and a half. Here's another one from a younger listener. Okay. I am about to turn twenty one. Okay. And I'm currently in my junior year of college. Cool. I have budgeted my income so that I have a portion of it stashed in my savings every month. Like it. What sort of investments should I look into to generate more income with the excess income I receive? Wow, already thinking big time investments, huh? Well, I guess the the we need a, a little bit more information. I, the first question I would ask Joe is is what's the uh, money saved for? Because if it's saved for to buy a new car or to buy a house, that's shorter term money. If it's to be saved for retirement, then that's a whole different answer because then you would invest it differently. Probably, wouldn't you say this, Joe, if you're gonna use that money in the next two or three years, you probably just keep it in a CD or something really safe because you can't really rely on the on the market. Right, and so you're 21 years of age and you're stashing some cash away, which is great. What sort of investments should I look into to generate more income, he's asking. So it's like, all right, well, here, you're not making enough, so you want to take the savings as you are to generate more income. You know, that's it depends on how much money that you have. I mean, then if you're looking to generate income, all right, well, now how much are you looking to generate? You know, then that's where I think people get into problems. Sure, especially is, nowadays with low interest rates. Right. So if I'm saying, all right, well, here, well, this investment has given me, you know, a 7%. Or look at this stock that has given me X amount of dividend. Right. Or look at what you know all sorts of, and I think they just look at the income component and they don't understand the risk involved. If you're getting like seven percent, there's just a ton of risk behind that. Yeah, there's... that seven percent could go to zero quickly. Sure, and we've seen it many times. And so, if you're looking for additional income, I would take those savings, and I would want you to focus more on growth versus income at your age. You're 21 years, so make those grow, and then get a supplemental job for income, right? Maybe yes. be an Uber driver, right? right? Make another extra couple hundred bucks a week. Get, or Get your income that way. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 agree, I agree with that. Because at 21, if you can start stashing some money away, you know, maybe you put a couple hundred bucks a month, whatever that is, you know, start a Roth IRA, Right, and, and have maybe a total U.S. stock market index fund. Yeah, and then but, keep but what chugging. If, what if he or she would answers the question by saying, "Yeah, I'm saving for um, car that cash. I want to buy." Right, of course, money and market cash. cash CD. Nothing better than that. Just just CDs, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 If you need the money within five years, you don't necessarily want to take on the risk. Yeah. But that's but that's I think a lot of young people, a lot of, a lot of old people, they have this tendency to think, well, it's it's in a CD. I'm I'm earning 
right. there's got to be something better. There's nothing better. <laughs> that's the problem. The, yeah, the, that's a problem. The 10-year <laughs> treasury is at a point and a half, all right? Right, and that can, that can fluctuate. That can actually go down in value. So, yeah, if you're looking for short-term, keep it in cash. Yeah, that, that's the problem. And right? it's funny because now a lot of the younger generation, and I'm, I'm so depressed that I'm saying that. Because you're an old guy. Because <laughs> I'm an old guy. So what, that, in my that 40s. Happened. They all happen. Somewhere in the period of time that I knew you, you went from a young guy to now you're part of part of our group. Oh, what? No, I'm never going to be part of that group. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. What happened? But let's say if, if I went back in time, like, well, all right, so the millennials, I'm Generation X, you're baby boomer. So, yes. All right. So the millennials, they're not saving money. They're not taking, I mean, they're saving money, but they're not taking risks. Yeah. Well, because of the, the, the Great Recession. Yeah. Right? Well, that was their formative years. They, that's all they knew. Yeah. When the market, yeah, market, when stock kids, market right? doesn't work. Mom and dad. Lost just a ton of money, stressing, stressing out, I'm losing never their be homes. Retire. You guys, you should never invest in stocks, right? right? Yeah, they're not buying homes because right. you know some of their homes parents lost down. homes, right? right? Stressing out about that, the market blew up. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just want something that's going to pay a little bit more income. Yeah. Well, ten-year Treasury, safest thing you can probably get into. So you give your money to the U.S. government for 10 years, you get a point and a half. Percent and a half, maybe. I think yeah. it's like 1.4 last time I looked. <laughs> so it's rounding. Yeah, right? <laughs> rounding it's, it's, it's not a ton. It's not a ton. You know, and so um, there's a lot of things that you can do. I mean, because if you could do this, right? So, um, you know, a lot of our listeners, Al, right, they're, they're approaching retirement or in retirement. And if you could imagine your retirement game plan that was no longer about a number or about your investments, imagine if you could fill in all the gaps and have all the answers to a rock-solid retirement game plan that covered everything from A to Z. I mean, what kind of confidence do you think that could bring? This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Uh, show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner um, with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, go to our website at purefinancial.com. Uh, good information there. We have our end-of-year tax planning workshop coming up in what? December something. December 6th. December 6th. Uh, so that's a month and a half away. That's right. It's a 10 in the morning till 12. You and I are going to spend a couple hours talking about uh, now we got a new president. Right now, what as far as taxes, as well as uh, final year-end tax planning uh, items and techniques that you absolutely need to be considering. We do this every year. We've been doing it now for what six, seven years? Yeah, something like that. Um, we usually get several hundred people. It's a lot of fun. Um, so if you'd like to attend that, uh, we are now starting to take reservations. Um, it will fill up, uh, so you can go to purefinancial.com to reserve your spot. Uh, for our end-of-year tax planning course. It's going to be, again, at the Mission Valley Sheridan in San Diego. Uh, so for you podcast listeners, if you want to take a flight to San Diego, yeah, um, come, on out. come on out. Love 10 a.m. to 12 noon, Mission Valley Sheridan, end-of-year tax planning workshop. Should be pretty uh, interesting this year, depending I on would, what... I would think so. Right, we got this election that's happening in November. What, we got about 20 days left for that thing. Right. And then um, then that gives Al and I about a month to prepare to figure out, all right, well, who's in and what do we think is going to happen? What are these candidates saying about taxes? Um, and what is on the docket now and some strategies to make sure that you can reduce as much taxes as possible. Yeah, so. and, I, and I, I guess we should sort of stress, we are going to talk taxes and strategies, not 
politics. Absolutely not. <laughs> taxes, so period. So if you're wanting a political show, this is not the right place. Right. If your candidate doesn't win and you're all bent you're on a shave, do you, not, you, you are not welcome. <laughs> Stay home. <laughs> Stay. That'd unless be you, just unless a, you can sit there quietly. There's just a nightmare. That would be a nightmare. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Oh. You know, Al and I, we're not political. He's a CPA. I'm a certified financial planner. Yeah. We understand taxes. Right. Financial planning. <laughs> um, all right. So here we go. Should I invest in bonds, Al, now or after this presumed interest rate hike? Okay. I'm trying to diversify a portion of my portfolio into bonds. However, with the upcoming interest rate raise announced by the Fed before the end of the year, I'm not sure that it is wise now. Could you clarify what kind of bonds are more vulnerable to interest rate hikes, short-term, long-term, intermediate tips, um, etc.? Is it wise for me to keep the portion initially allocated to bonds in cash until after the interest rate hike? Got it. That's a great question. We well, get that all the time. Well, we? let me um, let me start, and then I'll let you finish. Okay, great. If well, first of all. The Fed didn't announce that they were going to raise interest rates. No, but they hinted that they might. Okay, so they did not do that. Right. But if they hinted that they might, what do you think happens when they hint that they might? It's very conceivable that the rates already started moving. It's already done. It's all right. So it's not like, do I wait till after, right? Sure. If it's like, I'm going to do this... Next week, everyone knows it's going to happen, right? So the market is like, you see these bets with the market, right? right. Well, it's 50, 50, 60, 70, you know, or 70% chance that yeah. Janet's going to raise it. Then it goes down to 50, 40. So that's why you see volatility in all markets. Sure. Because we don't know what's going to happen until that information is released. So it's like we keep handicapping it. Exactly. So they take a look and they say, well, the probability of this happening is X. And so some traders will assume that it's going to happen. Others assume that it's not. And then as it get closer, it's already getting priced in. Yeah, that's that's true of stocks and interest, bonds, everything. Everything, right? It's a public market. Right. right? Everyone has all information. Yeah, um, and it's, it's funny. I think a lot of people don't realize it. It is a public market. We all collectively set the prices. Correct. Right? Because we are the ones bidding against each other for what, what's what this we, worth. What we believe yeah. is the perceived value for That's them. right. That's right. Because if you look at a certain um, stock or a certain bond, if you don't feel feel that that is worth your money, you're not going to purchase it. Yeah, that's that's why we say the stock market can, tends to be forward-looking, cool. because we're trying to figure out where it's going, and we're making, we're, we're kind of hedging our bets, and it's it's a collective betting, if you will, or collective consensus, that's a better word, of where the market's going, and that's what, that's that's how stock prices are determined, that's the interest rate, and all, all, all kinds of things. Right, and, um, it's also like, hey, I want to buy Apple stock tomorrow. You know, why do you want to buy Apple stock tomorrow? Well, it's because the new iPhone's coming out tomorrow. Right. Okay. Well, does anyone else know yeah, that? Does anyone else know that? No, I got special information. Yeah, right. No, that's why there's a line. Right. Like you and know, that, and that they're sleeping outside of Best Buy, and, and that's why Apple stock went zoomed up the last three months. Right. It already happened. It already happened. Yep. You're a little bit too late. Yep. Um. So with that mentality, I think a lot of people still have. It's like, okay, well, if interest rates are going to go up or down, well, I think, well, they already announced it's going to go up, so I'm going to wait. Right. I'm going to wait till it happens. I'm going to wait till I mean, it doesn't. So let's just stop there. If you want to invest in bonds, invest in bonds. Then I think that right, you sure. need to get your allocation appropriate. Yeah, and if you're 100 percent in stocks, well, I guess he's not. I guess well, he's, he's part, in cash. part cash, part so cash, then, part then, then I guess uh, the better answer or the better 
is yeah. that, okay, well, what types of bonds are going to have the most movement given interest rate volatility? Yeah. And first of all, when the Fed, it's the Fed fund rate, too. It, so, I mean, there's just so much misinformation. You know, people get so, well, the Fed is going to increase interest rates. Well, the Fed already increased interest rates in the beginning of the year, 25 bips, and guess what happened? Yeah. Nothing. It went down. It went because- down. Yeah. So, so to answer that question, I mean, long-term uh, bonds tend to be more volatile than midterm bonds, which tend to be more volatile than short-term bonds. And it's logical if you think about it, right? If you've got a long-term bond at a low interest rate and interest rates go up, and if you have to sell that bond, well, no one's going to pay you full price for that bond because you've got a low interest rate, so you have to discount it. So that's how bonds can actually go up and down in value if you need to sell them. So the answer is a short-term bond is going to be less uh, susceptible to a raise in interest rate. Right. And so I guess the piggyback on what Al just said there, it's like, all right, well, how does this, how does this thing work, right? The longer the term bond, that means you're taking on more risk because a bond is a loan. Sure. So if you're going to lend your money to someone or an organization, the longer you lend your money to that individual or that company, right, there's a lot of things that can happen in 30 years, 20 years, 10 years versus 30 days or a year, right? So the shorter the term of the bond, the less risk that you're taking, hence a lot less volatility. Right. So if you're worried about volatility, then you would want to go short term, right? High in quality. You're not going to receive a lot of interest. You're not going to receive a lot of income, but you're going to have more stable. It's going to be just almost like your cash position. You probably get a little bit more depending on what type of bonds that you buy. Right. Like we talked about the treasuries paying you know, a point and a half on a 10-year treasury. Yes. I don't know if you want to even do that, right? So, So shorter term is going to be less volatile, longer term is going to be more volatile, but you're going to receive higher compensation for that volatility. Right. But if interest rates do go up over the long term, that bond price will get discounted a lot more because the person that's going to buy that bond still has to hold on to the same term that you originally got yourself into. Right. So how about this question, Joe? So I've got my money in cash, and you're telling me that short-term safer, short-term safer bonds, like a 10-year government T-bill, is only paying 1.5%, let's say. So it's not that much. Why don't I just leave my money in cash because it's not going to fluctuate, right? So what's the advantage of going into a short-term bond over staying in cash? Well, I mean, you can. Re- well, there's a lot, and you give me 33 seconds to explain. I did, this. didn't I? Maybe we'll have to come back after the break. It's, but though, it's a question that I think a lot of people have, and I got my answer, and I think you got yours. Can but... you answer it in 20 seconds? No. I said, yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I mean, well, so a bond, first of all, a short-term bond is paying more than cash. Yes. Right. And then as interest rates go up, you can reinvest right into those shorter-term bonds. If I have short-term bonds ladder, I'm going to reinvest yeah. as interest rates go up and take advantage of those higher rates. Sure. Right. And so I, I got to me one of the main reasons is when markets do correct, when stock markets correct, a lot of people are looking for a safe investment, so they invest in short-term bonds, and those and there's, there's, those values tend to go up because but there's of two returns on bonds. Yes. It's the, it's it's the it's the face value of the bond plus the coupon, which a lot of people don't understand right. either. So you get two sides of the coin versus you're, you're just in cash, right? And then the banks are making all the money off of you if you keep it in cash. So, all right, we got to take a break. We'll be back in a second. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I am with Alan Klopine, who is a CPA. Uh, go to iTunes, get our uh, podcast. I'm going to do some major changes to the podcast here shortly. Um, You're going to make them better? 
I don't know. <laughs> we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to put in music and have special segments, and we're going to condense. We're just going to have it a little bit more organized. Con- <laughs> condense our two hours into the best of. Yeah, so and it'll be like uh, seven three, minutes. Three minutes. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get well, through it. Yeah, we got about a minute and a half of bumper music, <laughs> about a minute of content, and then we close the show up. With another minute and a half of music. Perfect. It's yeah. going to be great. Right. All, all the best stuff. We, yeah, can, gonna... we can boil down our show into a minute and a half. Tax chat with Big Al. Yeah, we can have that segment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's coming. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to be on sit there couch. petting a cat. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm gonna be chatting with you. I'm gonna be sitting on the couch yes, uh, with my cat soft, and my pipe. Uh, soft whisper. <laughs> Text chat. They have cool jazz in the background. It's gonna be great. We're gonna air that at 3 a.m. <laughs> it will put you to sleep. That's the that's the best part of it. Oh, you crazy cats out there! <laughs> Thank you for t- tuning into Text Chat. Wow, you're giving me good ideas, Joe, for the segment. I can't wait. Hey, we're talking about bonds. I guess we got to continue on with the conversation just for maybe a couple seconds yeah, here. But there's two returns in bonds. Okay. If you take a look at the past 10 years in bonds, right? Well, I mean, we've seen the biggest bull market in bonds in decades. Sure. So so then the question is, why would we ever invest in bonds? Well, how did, there's there's like, got to be a bubble, right? Yeah. Well, well, then you get this question. It's like, well, how did a bond get a 10% rate of return. Sure, because it's paying one and a half. Yeah, how the heck did that happen? You know, there's no way a bond could... could ge- yes, because if interest rates go down, bond prices go up, right? Yes. So you get the coupon plus whatever the discount or the premium of the bond is. So if you sell it prior to maturity, you're either going to sell it at a discount or you're going to sell it at a premium. So it's kind of like a stock. It can go up or down. Now, I guess if you hold it to maturity, then you get, then the you face get your value. money back, right? But most people hold bonds in bond mutual funds. Sure. Right? And then so if I have a bond mutual fund, then I have thousands of different bonds with multiple different maturities that they are basically buying and selling yes. within the overall portfolio. So they could be buying and selling them at a premium or a discount. And then as you can see, and then you got the net asset value of the overall bond mutual fund itself. Right. So when you look at that, there's just no, if you, there's two different returns when you look at bonds. And if interest rates are all, you know, getting to all time lows, right? Mm-hmm. There's not much more room that interest rates can go, right? Yeah, as far as down. Down. Yeah. And, I mean, if they go further down, yes, then the bond price increases. Sure. Right. And just the opposite effect happens. If interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Right. Right. So if bond prices or if bond interest rates still decrease, your bond price increases, but there's not that much room on the floor. You're almost there. Yeah. I so mean, that increase right. in the bond price, I don't know how much more room you got. True. I mean, I, I just think about when I bought my first home, this was in 1985. I got a 12.5% mortgage, Joe, and I thought that was decent. And then I refinanced it about two years later at 10%. I could not believe my great fortune to get a 10% mortgage. And now Cheap money. it seems ridiculous. Yeah. So in other words, interest rates have gone down probably, what, for the last 30 years or so, give or take, maybe 35. And so that is the, that's why sometimes you hear that there's a bond bubble because interest rates are as low as they can go. So when they go back up, then the bonds prices will go down and, and Theoretically, that is true. But if you do stay in shorter-term bonds and safe bonds, you're not going to be hurt as badly. But to me, it's like when the stock market does correct, and it will correct, people freak out. They sell out of their stocks. They want to go into the safest investment. That's usually a government T-bill, United States government T-bill. And so what happens is because so many people are buying, the price of that government T-bill actually goes up. And so it helps. 
Yeah, it helps mitigate the the downside of the stock market is if you have good, high-quality bonds. And then this is the whole argument, too, if we want to go into economics 101. Oh, wow. With QE1, QE2, the stimulus, right, that some economists are saying, oh, this artificially, you know, um, booming market is because of what the Fed, you know, keeps buying these bonds. So the trillions of dollars of bonds that they purchased, and why did they do that? To keep interest rates low because of supply and demand. You buy a bond... Right? If you flood a lot of money into bonds, right? what happens to prices with anything? Right, So if, if you buy, if there's a lot of demand for something, the price of that particular item goes up because there's a lot more demand. So you can charge more for it. But with bonds, there's kind of, like I said, there's two sides to this. There's the price and then there's the coupon or the interest rate. And so as Alan's saying is that, all right, well, a lot of people are flight to quality or flooding into you know bonds or safer investments. When a lot of money flows into that, what is that going to do to the price? The price increases. And with a price increase, it's also going to decrease interest rates. Sure. And so that's what the Fed um, and the government has been doing to keep interest rates fairly low. And so there's this wealth effect, right? Now I'm getting really I'm stupid here, but whatever. There's this wealth effect that people have when it went with this. And what that means is, all right, well, here, now I have a lower interest rate. Uh, I can refinance my mortgage, right, at a lower interest rate. Big Al's first house was, what, 12%, and he got it down to 10 I bet he felt a little bit more wealthy because guess what? His payment went down. It did go down, right? right? And then yeah. now let's say you refinance again to a lower rate, or maybe then you're getting some equity in your home and things like that is like, all right, well, here, now this wealth effect happens to individuals that I have more capital that's freeing up because that interest rate is lower. I can refinance and have less money going to the mortgage payment, more money that I can spend on other consumer goods. Right. Right. So then I can buy more things. If I buy more things, guess what? Companies are making more profits because we are buying more things. As those profits go up, guess what happens to stocks? Right. They're going up. But in actuality, kind of behind the scenes, what are the companies actually doing? They're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy my stock back. Right. <laughs> because it's cheap money out there. Sure, right. So I'm going to buy a whole bunch of my stock back. And so now their own companies are buying their own stock back. And guess what that's doing to stock prices? It's, it's increasing it's going up because you got less shares for the same value. <laughs> and then you have more demand buying the shares of stock. <laughs> People aren't buying things. Price goes up, right? It's economics here. Sure. And so they're saying it's all artificially infused because of the stimulus of the Fed and everything. I'm not an economist. I'm right. just an advisor, just a average Joe. Yeah. Um, well, one, one thing I do know, Joe, is, is remember this, this was probably, I'm going to say 2011. It could have been 12 or 2010, but Bill Gross, remember it used yeah. to be at PIMCO? The bond, the, the bond king. <laughs> he lost his mind. <laughs> I remember at that time, he was predicting that the interest rates were going to go up substantially in the near term. And this, this was five years ago, sure. right? And they're still... And they long. actually, ever since he said that, and he suggested that everyone should get out of bonds. And he was the bond king because they're, it's, we're in this big bubble. So now we're five years later and the interest rates are lower. Okay, well, what do you think Bill Gross is doing, Alan? He gets on CNBC. He gets on you know Bloomberg. He gets on, right? And he's saying, all right, well, interest rates are going to do this and everything else. And so, right, every, what, what do you think people do? They're like, okay, well, if interest rates go up, bond prices are going to go down. Right. So they're selling. Sure. So what happens when people sell? Yeah. The price goes down, right? Sure. And so what is Bill Gross doing? He's buying a ton of those bonds after he said, hey, this is what I think is going to happen. People freak out, and so he trades right behind them. Self-serving, right? 
I like his hairdo. It's very, very nice. Right. People say, well, you know what? I think, what are, you know, what are, they, they don't necessarily tell you what they're buying, what they're selling. Right? Hey, we might be selling this. Right? But then the next day, they're buying it back after the whole public hears this really smart person sell yes. it. There's, he's running a portfolio. Right. He gets compensated on that portfolio. He needs the rate of return to increase. Yes, you're right about that. And Joe, also, when it comes to bonds, uh, the most bonds are taxed at ordinary income tax rates. A lot of people don't think about that. Even though the rates are low in general, they're taxed at ordinary income rates. Unless you've got a government T-bill, then it's going to be tax-free, at least in California. You still pay taxes on your federal return. If you get a municipal bond, so that's backed by a municipality or a state, uh, that's going to be tax-free. And if it's inside your current state, then it's uh, it's 100% tax-free in terms of federal and state. And a lot of times people get so caught up in the market and the investments and they forget the taxes. Taxation of it. And the taxes are equally as important, or, or at least almost as important. And when you consider good tax strategies can be like earning another 1% or 2% in your portfolio, you do have a lot of control over your taxes if you just understand what the rules are. And so few people are talking about it. If you want to learn how to save taxes in retirement so that your money can be stretched that much further, there's a way to do it. It's by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Uh, Alan Klopine next to me. He's a CPA. Um, here, I got a question for you, Alan. Yes. Let's say I work for a company. I have a simple plan. Okay. Okay. So simple plan is for self-employed individuals, or if you work for a small company, maybe that individual um, put together a simple plan instead of a 401k yeah, plan. Yeah, because the, the fees can be cheaper with a simple. Yeah, and you don't have to do, use a third-party administrator. Sure, sure. Um, and then s- file 5500s. All that stuff. Whatever. Right, right. All right. You have a simple plan. Can you still contribute to an IRA? You have a simple plan it's a, it, because it's a simple IRA. Um, y- y- yes, I think I think it's I I think those are intertwined though because I think the simple you can put in what around twelve thousand dollars or so, and I think then you could put in another fifty five hundred into an IRA I believe, but um, I believe, but don't quote me. What do you think? <laughs> That's why I asked you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because we very rarely see simple plans. Yeah, hard, they hardly ever come up. I I do know. Here's what I do know, though. They are integrated with four hundred one ks, with four hundred one ks, because they're they're I, they're a withholding. We just looked this up for another client. So if you have if you put twelve grand into a simple IRA, you could only put another six grand into your four hundred one k if you're under fifty. So well, why wouldn't they just have a standard four hundred one k plan? And put in the eighteen thousand into the 401k. well. If you have two employers, let's say. Oh, I see. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Right. One has a four hundred and one k. One has a. Simple. Right. So I'm working full time at this place. Has a four hundred and one k. Maybe I work at a smaller shop yeah. part time, and they yeah. have a simple plan. Or vice versa. Or if, whatever, if I'm self employed or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I got yeah. a little side business. Side business. Set up a solo four hundred and one k. Yeah. But so I think let's say if I'm an employee of that firm with the simple yes, I can contribute to an IRA. If I am the employer, right. Because uh-huh. if I'm the employer and I have employees and those employees are contributing to that simple plan, um, I'm going to look this up. But I, I would say yes. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm kind of with think, you. I think the answer is yes, too. So I would yeah. say for sure Roth. Yeah. well, But it and, depends. But Roth would have the same, same rules, rules as, as an IRA, answer, yeah. so it should be, this, should be the same either way. It should be. Joe, I got some bad news. Okay. And I don't like bad news. But uh, this is right off the press, the Society of Actuaries. 
They're telling us now this is the first year in a long time where the life expectancy of a 65-year-old male and female has gone down. So uh, we were 65-year-old male uh, was uh, last year supposed to live on average to 80. I thought life expectancies are going up, Al. I know. I don't get it. Uh, they were 80 to 86.2. So in other words, 65, the median, I guess, is 86.2. Now this year it's saying we're 85.8. We actually went down. It's not just men, women went from a 65-year-old female, uh, was last year living uh, the median 88.2 years, now they're 87.8. So we lost a little ground this year. I'm not sure why. And maybe it's just an aberration, but uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to track that. Hmm. What's, is that the, I'm curious on where they did that study. Is it just total U.S. census or something? I don't know, but the, the basically the headline says new mortality improvement scale... I don't think that's an improvement. Shows a slower rate dip in life expectancy. Updated figures could re- decrease pension liabilities by a percent and a half to two percent. So, in other words, they they might be more solvent as a result of that. But I have a feeling, Joe, this is some aberration. It will because every single year it seems we're going up in terms of life expectancy. And you think about modern medical advances and, and uh, particularly, I think something else that people don't really think about when it's life expectancy, you can, you can think of these broad statistics, but those that um, have saved for the retirement and are of a certain income level, they tend to pay more attention uh, to their medical needs. They tend to exercise more, and they actually tend to live quite a bit longer. So that's the thing: is if you're if you're in you know if you're in the middle class and you've you've, you've kind of you saved some money and you're staying healthy and you're going to the doctor, you're probably going to outlive at least on average. You're probably going to outlive. And and so the reason why I'm bringing that up, the reason why it's important, is sometimes you think, well, you know what, that life ex- average life expectancy is age for you know when you're born is like 77 or 78. Well, that's that's when you're born. When you're 65 and retiring, you got to see what it is from there, which I just told you is for a male is 85.8 years. But if you're going to the doctor, if you're eating right, if you're exercising, you're very likely going to live a lot longer, which means that you need to plan longer for your own retirement. <laughs> and you nodded off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm practicing my smooth talk for tax chip. Wow. <laughs> Here, let's ask, let's answer a couple more email questions uh, oh, yeah. from Investopedia. Okay, what do you get? And uh, then we'll uh, get the heck out of here for today. Okay. All right, should I move my 401k into a money market account? Summary of the email. I feel as if a bull market is nearby, and I'm eight years until retirement. My feet are getting very cold. Is it smart to move my 401k into a money market account? And if so, which are the best? Uh, well, first of all, she, you are thinks, confused between the bull, the bull and the bear. <laughs> <laughs> a bull market is when you think the market's going to go way up. So like a bull, rah, you know, yeah. it's charging. That means up. Bear means you will die. <laughs> Glad you clarified that. <laughs> right? You, so, so if you think it's a bull market, that means you think the stock market's going up, so you, you stay invested. You do not want to go into a money market account if you think a bull is coming. <laughs> If the bear is coming, <laughs> that's when you want to go to I the I like boat. that. Rawr. Okay. Yeah. That's how you remember it. Yes. Okay. You want to ride the bull, and you want to run away from the bear. Because bulls, we've, they run fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Grab them by the horns. <laughs> Grab the bull by the horns. That's where all these things come from, Alan. Got it. Okay. Bear, run like hell. <laughs> Get out of there. Get out of the way. <laughs> 
Okay. So so the answer is no. But, but what if she just said the wrong term? What if she thinks the bear market's coming? Should she go into money markets? No. And what's the best one? No. Okay, here's the advice. You're eight years from retirement. So yeah. that means what? Let's say you're 60, 68. Right. Okay, so then you're going to retire at 68. Then what's going to happen? You're going to live for probably another 20, 20 years. years. Right, as I just went through those numbers. Yes. Right? So that's 28 years. Let's call it 30 years. That, that money needs to be there for you to create a retirement income. Okay. In 30 years, you will probably see a couple bears and a couple of bulls. Yes. <laughs> so, and it's very difficult to time when the bear comes out. Yes. So no, do not go into a money market of fund. Have a proper, appropriately diversified portfolio given your time frames. So it's looking at it, all right, I'm retiring in eight years. What target rate of return am I shooting for to make sure that I have enough capital in eight years? And then from there, how much income is needed from the overall portfolio? So you have to do some planning first and then try to take the least amount of risk possible to maximize the return because your, your, your time frame is not eight years. Your time frame is 28 to 35 years. I think that's well said, Joe, because a lot of people figure, okay, I'm going to invest more aggressively till I retire, and then I'm going to go all safety. And the truth is we're living 20, 25 years, in some cases 30 years or more after we retire, and uh, at safe, safe, safe investments are not going to keep up with inflation. You already know that, so you're going to need to have some market investments, some market exposure.